Hey, welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro. Bible Bistro. <laughs> we should we should each say part of it. I should say the Bible, and you should say Bistro. 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 <laughs> Something like that. So I could put a question, exclamation mark. Now, anyway. If, if our listeners are, are truly listening to us and not watching us on YouTube... You're missing something spectacular <laughs> that the Lord has orchestrated today. We sat down to record this, and yes. I said, Brian, we are twinning today. Almost. Yeah, it's similar. We have a similar color pat palette going on with our shirts. Well, it's it's plaid, right? It's a plaid. <laughs> right. And then it's a, flannel, a darker, maybe. a flannel, yeah. a dark green, a lighter yeah. green, and then yeah. like a light. And I was like, Brian, look at us. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. We so didn't if talk you, about if you this. don't normally if you don't normally watch us on YouTube, you really should probably go take a look. Now today. I have to say yes. Okay, so <laughs> if you want to, I really I really set us up for success on YouTube this last week, <laughs> um, as I made a mistake, and so we didn't really have a video. We just had right. photos. Right. It was a mistake. But I don't I don't want to point fingers. <laughs> it was me I. and. <laughs> Anyway, we had a little mistake with the video yeah. last week, so we didn't have video, but we are back in video now, so yeah. if you'd love to see us, if sure. you'd love to see the, our wardrobes <laughs> and the and the spring collection from Ryan and Brian, you should go check us out on YouTube. How, how, uh, how what level of Patreon before you get this shirt? That's <laughs> No the one official, wants the shirt. The official Ryan and Brian uh, flannel, flannel shirt. shirt. Oh yeah. my gosh, that could be there something. You go. I don't know. But anyway, we're back. Yes, this is episode two of, two season, of three. season three. Episode ninety two. Ninety two. What are we going to do for the century mark? We got to start planning. I don't. <laughs> yeah, we do because it's coming up quick. But uh, we, we had a great episode last week. We were yeah. talking about inconceivable words, meaning yeah. maybe something different, or you keep saying that words. Word. You keep say, say say the line. It's you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Yes, and so we so. talked about faith last week, and this week we're taking on a new word, Brian. Mm-hmm. And what? Yeah. And well, word, you probably, people may have heard this word before, but I kind of want to point out some things about it, um, and and maybe we'll get to some meaningful things at some point before the end of the episode. It, it's the word <laughs> Yah- Yahweh that we often use to refer to to God, Yahweh. And I want to talk about the passage where that comes from, and also I want to sh- I want to show you a little something. This came up in our Sunday school class as I was teaching, and uh, you know I do this all the time. In fact, I thought I taught this at this Sunday. I'm pretty sure I had taught this, but there are people who was like, "Oh my goodness, this blows my mind!" Like I've never been taught this. I've never seen this before. Um, and so I thought, well, this would be something to do. Now I will warn you, listeners, <laughs> dear listener. Um, <laughs> We're going to we're gonna do some things. I'm going to try to describe this the best I can, but there's kind of a visual element to this. So um, uh, I would encourage you, if you're just listening to this while you're jogging or while you're, I don't know, doing your grocery shopping or driving in your car, get home when you get home. Um, <laughs> safely. Get home now. <laughs> no, when you get home, take out your Bible and look up a couple of these passages we're going to refer to. And and the, the main passage is Exodus chapter three, verses 13 through 15, because this is where God kind of makes a big deal. This is, this is um, uh, Moses being called to go down into Egypt. He makes a big deal about his name in this place. And so I'd encourage you, if you want to see what we're talking about here visually, look at that passage and you'll, you'll see what we're, we're talking about. 
Because in our Old Testaments, in most of our translations, and, I, and a little bit later, I'll get to why they've chosen to do it in this way. But in most of our English translations, we have two words that are spelled, I say almost identically. Actually, I mean, they, they have They're the same spelled. letters. Yes. <laughs> they have the same letters, but they are formatted slightly differently to the point that you don't even really notice it necessarily unless you're paying attention to it. But these stand for two completely different Hebrew words uh, and two completely different concepts, really, in in the Old Testament. And yet they're the same word. Uh, And and I'll tell you, it's the word Lord. Mm -hmm. In your Old Testament, when you look at the word Lord, you're going to see it formatted in two different ways. Now, this is the part you kind of have to look at. And and a little bit later in chapter 6 of Exodus, I'll show you an example where you see both of them side by side. Uh, Or actually, you may see in chapter 3, too. But but you have the word Lord, which is written maybe with a capital L, but then our normal small O-R-D. And, and you, you guys remember, you know, small letters and capital letters back from, you know, first first grade, maybe kindergarten. <laughs> yes, uh, yes it's a, we it's remember. A, <laughs> it's a capital L, little letter O-R-D for Lord. Uh, and that the, the Hebrew word that stands before, behind that is the word Adon or Adonai means my Lord. Uh, you often see it in that form. My Lord, you know, this, my Lord, that. And, and this is simply a title of respect. Adon, Adonai. Uh, it's a word like we might use. And again, we, we live in a weird country, but um, it's a good country. Don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> oh but we don't, we don't have Kings and, you know, we don't use mm-hmm. the title Lord very much, but it's kind of like my master or, uh, sir. It's a title of respect. Someone, you, basically it's a way to recognize someone who is your superior socially or however you want to put that, uh, sir. You know, it's just a title of respect is the way I would put it. I don't, I deny. Uh, does that make, that make sense so far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now here's so where you, you wouldn't just it wouldn't just be to you would use it in a variety of different places sure. not just to not just in reference God. to God yes no, you'd it, use it as if someone you to, who is your king per to se. the king for example or someone you were just showing respect to uh, you know you would bow your knee and say Lord you know liege my liege that kind of thing but again we don't we don't have a serfdom in this country you know? right and so so cheers kind of, to that cheers yeah, to no serfdom yeah, yeah th- thank thanks thankful for that. Um, but it, you know, so, so we, we use that word. And so, yeah, it just doesn't just refer to Lord, the Lord God. Okay. And in fact, that's a phrase we see in, in the old Testament. Some, and I'm going to try to explain why that's the case. So here's the other spelling that you'll see. It's the same letters, L O R D, but they are in what we call in, in, in what the publishers would call or the printers would call small caps. Um, so they're all capitalized letters. The f- the first one is exactly the same. The L is exactly the same. But the O R D are all in capital letters, but they're slightly shorter than the L. Mm-hmm. So it's a small. It's in publishing terms. It's called small caps. The word that stands behind that is completely different than the the word Adon. It, it's the word. Yahweh that we that we talk about and and so here's where it comes from it comes from Exodus chapter three uh, and I shouldn't say it comes from because we see it used even in the book of Genesis we see it uh, occurring uh, before this uh, but when we get to Exodus chapter three we get some explanation as to why that's the case you want to read that for us um, Ryan Exodus chapter three verses thirteen through fifteen uh, yeah here we go. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? 
God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, this seems like it initially may be a, a, a strange kind of comment. I'm going to have you read verse 15 in just a minute, mm. but don't don't worry about it yet. But it may seem like a strange thing. This is God calling Moses to go down and free the people of Israel. And so he's sending him back down to Egypt to free the, the Israelites. And Moses says, well, who shall I say is sending me? <laughs> and that, that may seem strange, but here's where we have to remember a, a couple of very important things. Egypt, as we've mentioned previously in this podcast, was a polytheistic nation during that, that period of time. They worshiped many gods. And so in that context, basically what Moses is saying is, which, you know, you know what's the name? If they ask me which God is sending you down here, mm-hmm. who, who shall I say? And, and so God says, well, here's the name by which I want to be called. Call me Yahweh. And and, and we usually use these four letters. It's the tetragrammaton. The what? That's the tetragrammaton. That's, I shouldn't even said that. That's the Latin. That just means four letters in Latin, okay? Okay. Um, but if you look at verse 14 in your Bibles, and I encourage you again, if you're, if you're listening to this when you get home, look at chapter 3, verse 14. What do you notice when you look at it in your translation uh, in, in verse 14? Yeah, so the, the I am and the I am who I am are in the small, small caps. caps. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's basically it's saying that this, this word, it's these four letters, and I'll get to this in a minute. We really don't even know how to pronounce them. We, we say Yahweh or Yahweh, something along those lines, but, but we don't know that those are the correct values to place with these consonants. And I'll, if I can, I'll try to explain why that's that's the case a little bit later. But it's some form of the of the Hebrew verb to be uh, is what we have a reference to. And so that's why you have in, in this text, in the, the initial text, I am. He says, I am has sent them yeah, to say you. that again. The the, the verb, the verb to, to be. So to be. Yeah. So the, so the verb to be. If we <laughs> here's the funny thing. I, I've studied a couple of languages, and any 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 verb to be in, in almost any language, at least that I've studied, is an irregular verb because because it's used so much. Okay, it's it's a verb of existence. Let's say, or it's a verb of being. Uh-huh. So so let me. If I if I conjugate it in English, it would be I am, right? Hmm. You are, she is. Okay. You see how irregular it is. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, I walk, you walk, she walk. You know, that it it, it it's a regular verb. This one is irregular. I am, you are, um, she is, and then we could go on to um uh we are, all y'all are. And uh, they are right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's that it's that it. But in in, in Hebrew, uh, the yud. So it's it's four letters, and I'm going to say them in 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 uh, Hebrew. Yod yod is the first letter. It's that little, very little. It's got a y sound at the beginning. Yod. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact. That's probably what Jesus is referring to. We, <laughs> if you know the King James, when Jesus says, "Not the least jot nor nor tittle, tittle. will be mm-hmm. will be taken away," so jo, yod or jot, you know, there's no J sound in Hebrew though, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, another thing, but yod, and then the second letter is hey, which is an H sound, so yod hey, and then the third letter is wa, which is a W sound or vav. Which is it's either a V or a W, and then a hey again. So those four letters: yod, hey, 
Wahe or Vavhe is what spells out what we pronounce often as Yahweh or Yahweh. Um, so that's <laughs> everything clear so far. Perfect. So, I've got it. So, so it's some form of the verb to be. Now, what is he? What is he saying by this? What does he mean when he says, "Tell them Yahweh"? You give him this name, Yahweh, um, and, and tell them that he has sent sent you. It, it has something to do with being. It, it's something about his nature. And there's different theories on this. One theory is it could be that he is saying, "I am the God who is." You know, I am. Which God shall I say? Well, you tell them the the true God, right? right. The God who is the, is the real the, one here, right? Yeah. The real one, uh, or some think, and and this is I, I kind of like this because I think in the Bible this is one of the primary definitions of God's nature or ways to to describe God's nature is I am the one who causes things to be. Hmm. You, you see, what I'm saying. In other words, yeah. I am the creator. And that's one of the ways we describe God in a very basic way. In fact, that's how the the Bible starts, right? In the beginning, right. God in created. the beginning was God, and God, you know, spoke the world into existence. So God, at at at, when we think of what it means that God is God, at the very basis is He is the He is the Maker of all things. And so then we get in the New Testament, and you know, we get John saying things like, "All things were created through Him; nothing that was created was not created through Him." Speaking about not not the Father, but the Son, speaking of Jesus. So uh, God reveals his name in this way, some form of to be. The other, and I'll just mention this briefly, the other possibility is it seems to be closely connected to the future tense. Uh, and the future tense of to be is will, I, you know, so so um, I will be, something along those lines. So, you know, this is the God that that will bring things about. And and we see that that's kind of the conversation that goes on through the rest of this. So okay. questions to this point, I feel like I've, I've dumped no, a lot well, here. Well, but. yeah. So I, just to, to recap here that the, I, the, I am has yes. that it's that um, irregular verb form. And uh-huh. all we have in the tetragrammaton, which is the Latin <laughs> four letters. Yeah. yeah. So it's the, we just have the four letters. The, yeah, yod, what we yod, would say is Y-H-W-H. Yeah. And, and later on, I'm going to talk about this group in just a minute, but later on there was a group that, and this sounds funny when you, when you, when you first learn it, but Hebrew doesn't really have vowels. <laughs> it has, now it doesn't when you pronounce it, obviously, but the letters themselves are all consonants. And, and there are a couple of the consonants that stand in for vowels, like take, take a vowel place. Um, and one of them that is possible is Vav, and that becomes a deal later on, something else I want to talk about. But but you can pronounce – when you first start learning it, there are, there are later there are these scholars who put in dots that help us understand what vowels go along with these. But, you know, I was told by my beginning Hebrew teacher, well, you'll – you can read Hebrew without the vowels. And at first you're like, oh, no way. But now most of the signs in when you're in Israel don't have the dots in it. And you can pretty much make out what those are. Now, if you were raised with Hebrew, you would absolutely be able to. So there was no originally no vowels given with this. And that's why, like I said, we don't exactly know how to pronounce it. Um, because that same group of scholars, we call them the Masoretes, um, who added the dots did not add dots here because they they wanted to be very careful about, well, the next thing I'm going to show you, they wanted to be very careful about misusing God's name. Um, and so so they, they you know, even, well, and I'll, I'll say this later, but even today, a Jewish person, when they're reading the Hebrew Bible, 
when they come across those four letters, instead of saying Yahweh, we'll say Adon. The, the other version of Lord. And that's why in English, we've chosen to use the word Lord in small caps in place of that, of that word Yahweh. Oh, okay. So, yeah, All right. I don't. So they'll, and, and I've seen this happen. They'll, they'll be reading along, and it <laughs> yud hey vav hey looks nothing like the the word adon. If I if we were doing this in a classroom, I'd write both of them on in Hebrew on the board, and you can see that there's no similarities between them at all. Uh, but yet they pronounce it that way because they they still refuse to pronounce the name this mm-hmm. name this divine name. So go ahead and read verse fifteen while you're still here in chapter three. Yeah. Uh, Uh, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I'm to be remembered throughout all generations. Okay. Yahweh is to be my name is what he's saying here. And and he says, I've been known in this and we're going to see something else about this in just a minute, but I've been known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers. So -hmm. that's how God would have been known to them until Moses until God reveals to Moses this name, and he says, now you're to go and tell them this is my name. Uh, Down in chapter 6 of Exodus, we see this happening. Look at chapter 6, verses 2 through 8. And in fact, I may may read this just, just, and and what I'm going to do, and I like to do this, um, because I think it gives it a little bit of a different um, flavor of meaning. It's, it, it doesn't change the meaning, but it gives us a little bit of different sense. When we substitute the word... um, Yahweh, or the name Yahweh for for Lord. But here's, starting in verse 2, God mm-hmm. also said to Moses, so here's, God sends him to, to appear before Pharaoh, and then God gives this additional information to Moses. He said, God also says to Moses, I am Yahweh. See that there? Mm-hmm. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them. That's that promise we've talked about before, that covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Um, and it's interesting. You can go on here. I will take you to be my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I say in that way because it doesn't it give you a slightly mm. different meaning than what we usually yeah. have. So, so, for example, back up in verse 3. Here's how it reads in English. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. But what it really says in the Hebrew is, by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. So he's saying this is my covenant name that is going to uh, be the way that I describe myself in relationship to my people now. Uh, it's interesting to think about, I think, even when you when you think of him revealing, God revealing himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the stories that would have gone along with that, you know, you know that was a way for him to describe his relationship. Uh, so you think about God appearing to Abraham 
and and saying, I want you to go to this land and I will give it to your offspring. Uh, that's the covenant we've talked about before. I will, I will give this land to your offspring. I will make you into a great nation uh, and you will be a blessing to all people on the face of the earth. That's uh, Genesis chapter 12 and 14 and other places. But but you think about all these stories, the way that God appeared to Abraham. Uh, God appeared to Abraham in these three strangers or these three messengers that he takes into his tent and says um, that next year this time, your wife, Sarah, is going to bear a child in her own old age. And and so you think of these stories of God appearing to Abraham and then God appearing to Isaac in, in a similar way, but then really God appearing to Jacob. Uh, you know, you think about Jacob on fleeing uh, yeah. from uh, Isaac, from Esau, really, um, and having this vision of the the angels ascending and descending on the uh, on the stairway. And he says, "This is the house of God." You know, this is Bethel, right. and then uh, later. Um, he has this wrestling match. He gets his name changed. Do you remember that whole story? Yep. But what he says there, he says, I have seen God face to face, and yet I have lived. So these interactions that God had with this family in the past, God says, that's how I was known to them. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now I will be known as Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And we see that name kind of flowing through the rest of the Old Testament then. Yeah. It's a, it, it, hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's a... I mean, it's pure conjecture, you know. But why, why the shift, you know, from sure. Abraham, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to yeah. the shift of like, here's my name? Is yeah. it a personal relationship or what, what? Well, I think it's a couple things. So the Exodus is the major redemptive act. I, I said this before: the major redemptive act in the Old Testament. Uh, it, it foreshadows God's overall redemptive act, the greatest redemptive act in all of history, in His Son Jesus, um, which takes place during this. Passover feast when you remember the Exodus, right? Right. So the Exodus becomes this major act of God. So he says, so so the the Exodus is an act of of revelation. He says, you're going to know who I am because of what I do in the Exodus. So Mm -hmm. to his own people. He also says the nations are going to know who I am because they, they're going to tell the stories about what happened in, in the, the, the plagues and in the Red Sea and all these things. So I'm revealing myself to the Egyptians and to the nations, God says. And then also I mentioned that we call Yahweh his covenant name. He says, I'm actively working on my promise, my covenant that I made with Abraham now. And so this becomes the name, kind of a, we call it the covenant name, the name by which that promise is going to be made. Um, think, think about this passage where, where it talks about there's nothing greater by which God swears, can swear, so he swears by his name. Right. This right. is this is what's going to make my promises sure is that I'm giving you this this name that it will be right. It, you right. Know, I am who I am. And I am the true God. And this is the way that this promise is going to take place. So that's that's what I think. OK. Yeah. It, it's just interesting, you know, that he says I haven't ref- didn't rev- they didn't know me as this. But now you sure. will know me as this. Yeah. And just what 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 was happening there? We we also use this phrase sometimes. Pro, have you heard the pr- phrase "progressive revelation"? We've I think we've talked yeah. about this some. Not so God, to be confused with progressive theology, <laughs> right? But but God reveals more and more of Himself throughout Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So so there there's and there's a way in which 
it, it's almost it has to, it, there's so much to know about God, right? It has to build. <laughs> uh, if God just suddenly revealed himself um, as fully as he did in Jesus, for example, it would have been very un- difficult to understand everything that he was saying about himself. And so God has already shown his people something about his character nature in the promises that he's kept with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now he's building on that is the way I would put it. it, it the, the, the revelation becomes greater. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, we believe ultimately uh, God revealed himself. This is what the Hebrew writer says. In the past, God revealed himself in various, ma- various ways, various uh, manners. Uh, divers, you know, to use the King James, divers manners and divers ways. Um, but in these last days, God has revealed himself in his son. Right. It's a whole uh, so, book of Hebrews, basically. <laughs> yes. And and so God, God revealed himself in a full way. Uh, and we're going to get to that, I, I hope, uh, by the end of this episode. We'll see that, you know, Jesus, I think, is, is saying that same kind of thing as well. Cool. Any other questions or comments? I don't think so. That's well, good. I, it's it's. I think it's good to to see that transition and when, sure. when that transition is starting to take place. Yeah. And again, don't get me wrong. You'll go back in Genesis and you'll see the word Yahweh used, the Lord small caps there. And by the way, I, I taught this in Sunday school. And people are like, well, how could we even know this? And I said, well, it's in the introduction to your Bible. If you read, most of us don't read the preface or the introduction to our Bible, but it will say things like, "This is how we've chosen to to." Um, uh, show this this word and, and that kind of thing. You'll see okay. that, and you'll see it in footnotes as well, chapter 3. Yeah, so, okay, God doesn't reveal his name to Exodus, and I think this has to go back to how Genesis was written sure. and so forth, but, yeah. like, so that's a... It, Genesis is written... After the Exodus. After, after right. God has revealed mm-hmm. his name, and so there's... Yeah. The author has inserted Yahweh yes. into... Yeah, that's exactly right. When Moses is writing this stuff, it's, it's you know, he's looking backward. Uh, and and that's, again, I'll just mention this that polytheistic context and culture is why this is so important. So let's use a, let's look at a passage that should be familiar to most of us. Most of us know the 10 commandments, right? Yes. Um, sure. Know, I, I'm I not going to put you on the spot. Don't, don't yeah, I'm it. not going to put you on the spot and make you do it. But, um, but we have a general idea of, of the 10 commandments. So look at chapter 20 of Exodus. The first time we find the 10 commandments given, this is Moses on Mount Sinai. So chapter 20, um, and verse 7 is the is the commandment that I'm most concerned about. But you can even look earlier than this, if I can find it here. Um, when when he begins, when God begins to, to talk about uh, what he's going to say with, with these other commandments as well, um, look at the very beginning uh, of Exodus chapter 20. I'm trying to get to it real quick here. <laughs> Okay, I'm there. Exodus okay. chapter 20, verse okay. 2. I'm doing a poor job of it. Um, yeah, what does it say? What does verse 2 say? I am Yahweh, your God, uh, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the right. house of slavery. You shall right. have no other God, gods before no, me. No other gods before me, which is a big deal because of the polytheistic culture, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked you know, about I, that, yeah. And then you're not to make any graven image to me. So look at verse 5 here. This is chapter 20, verse 5. You shall not bow down to them. These idols, you know, you're not to make idols Mm -hmm. uh, like the other nations, like Egypt or like Canaan. (laughs) You're getting ready to go into, right? Yep. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God. You see what I'm saying? Again, he's revealing himself. Now, here's the one I wanted to get to, verse 7. I think this is different 
then then we we hear it differently when we think about this idea of this word. So I'm going to read it just in English. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So there's that idea of the name. Oh, by the way, that's another way that the 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 uh, Jewish people will refer to this as they sometimes will say Hashem, which is just the the Hebrew word for the name. <laughs> They'll just say the, the name. name instead but of saying everybody it. knows what they're referring to, <laughs> right? You know that that name, that big name. Uh, so let me read this. You know, with that underlying idea of Yahweh, then you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God, for Yahweh will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So that that idea again. Um, So, you know, it's that, you know, that's the name that God has said by which he he wants to be called Uh, over in Leviticus is just another example. I'll have you read this. This is Leviticus 19. What is it? Two twelve. I think I have Uh, 19. These are some other, yeah, chapter 19, verse 12. These are some other regulations that God is giving, kind of a repetition of some of these laws. Right. Yeah, here, let me go. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. Yeah, so so there it is. So don't, you know, if you're swearing in court, or if you're swearing by my name, don't do it falsely, because you'll profane the name of Yahweh, the, the name by which I've asked to be called. So when I was teaching this in Sunday school the other day, I got this question, and I don't always, but um, what about Jehovah? <laughs> Somebody said. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, you said, oh, yeah, because you had a professor, and, and he was a colleague of mine at Lincoln that, that made a big deal about this, and rightfully so. Uh, Jehovah is, is a form that uh, we've used in the past, but here's the problem with Jehovah. It, it was basically a German scholar in the past looking at this these four letters, yud Hey vav Hey, and trying to come up with the pronunciation. Now, there's all kinds of problems. It's going to get a little difficult because in German, like Hebrew, there is no J, J sound like we have in English. So the first thing is, it was never Jehovah in the beginning anyway. It was Yehovah. Yehovah. Uh-huh. Uh, so that J was a Y sound, right? But here's the other problem that, that crept in. So I said that, that there are only consonants in the Hebrew alphabet, but sometimes these consonants can stand for a vowel. Okay. Okay. One of those is that vav or that wa sound. So, so you get the v in Jehovah or Yehovah, right? Mm-hmm. That that vav or wa, it can also sometimes be the letter o or the the sound o. Uh, holem is the is the vowel that we would say in in Hebrew, uh, but it can't be both at the same time. <laughs> so it's got okay. It, it can be one or the other, but it, it can't, can't be, be O both. and it can't be V at the okay, same time. Okay, so so here's how he he did this. He he took the 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 yud as a as a y sound ya, mm-hmm. and then he took the the hey the h sound ya, and then he put an o for that that holem va. So he used the the one vav letter twice, twice, right? So Yehovah, uh, and then the final H, um, but but you can't do that. <laughs> and so so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so it's a, it is an incorrect. It's an incorrect attempt 
to transliterate or you know change from one language to another this divine name. So, you know, the, the person we were talking about that was your teacher and my colleague makes a big deal about that, you know, because, and, and I think rightfully so, I even wonder about us failing to use his name. Again, we don't want to misuse this name, but when we um, fail to call him by the name he asked to be called, <laughs> it's kind of a strange situation we put ourselves in. Um but, uh, you know, his point was God says to call me this name. And then, you know, that's kind of a bastardization of it. It's a, it's a, right. you know, mis- 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 saying his name wrong. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, so call that's me, like you call me, call me Tony. Yeah. Like I call Brian, you, you might call me Brian. Ooh, there's nothing worse. Than being or, called- uh, there's a name I usually call you that, that you don't like either. But anyway, so, <laughs> so it's profane. I'm just kidding. It's not profane. It's a name. Anyway. So um, it's a sassy name, but what? So what about what about Jehovah? Right in this in this context, is it, that's just a misuse or mis attempt to do that? That's all I was going to say. Okay. So questions well, or good. comments on any of this? Yeah. So, so don't say Jehovah. It's yeah, wrong. So so there's a couple of different places, and again, I think that we, why do we even talk about this? Well, I think those places where it says my by my name Yahweh you'll be known now there's one other thing that I think is really interesting and this is a New Testament thing and we may have talked about this a little bit but I think this is a good place uh, to use this as, as kind of a background because in the Gospel of John particularly Jesus is presented you know we we use the phrase high Christology for the gospel of John. It has a high Christology. Now, I would argue that all the gospels have a, have a high Christology to a certain extent. They all present Jesus as divine. Uh, right. You know, he is, he is God. He is God incarnate. Uh, John, when we use the word incarnate, it comes from the first chapter of the gospel of John. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling above, among us. But you might remember John begins with this whole idea in the beginning, he Word uses the, the same phrase yeah. like like Genesis does, but instead of in the beginning God, he says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then this Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory, uh, is what chapter one, John chapter one, verse fourteen says. But there's another really interesting thing that takes place in the Gospel of John. Twenty four times, we have a Greek phrase. Ego I a me or ego I me uh, in in the Greek and and what that means is that it's an emphatic form of I am. Now you could you can say I am in Greek just by saying I me. Uh, it, it's a lot like if you've ever studied Spanish, you don't have to pr- produce the pronoun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can say soy or yo soy and means the same thing, right? But mm-hmm. but ego I me is an emphatic form of saying I am. So here we are back to the to be verbs, right? Gotcha. Okay. This one yeah. this one is in Greek though. Okay. So Jesus twenty four times in the Gospel of John uses this phrase ego I me I am. And that reminds us immediately of that Exodus chapter three, right? Mm-hmm. That I tell them I am I that am. I am. Right mm-hmm. now, of the twenty-four times, and and this is a lot, by the way, more than any of the other gospels uses this phrase. Of the twenty-four times that John uses this gospel, there's seventeen times it has a definite predicate. 
Okay. We we were talking about this yesterday. I was telling uh, I was telling uh, Ryan. Uh, I was telling you that we, we you know we learn about English when we learn Greek, right? When we right. learn another language, it teaches us about about our own language. A predicate is that back part. If you remember um, your high school English, it's that last part of a sentence that goes. It's kind of usually the object part of of the sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the subject. We'll say in English is is the one performing the verb, and uh-huh. then the predicate is the one to whom or for whom, depending on if it's a direct object or indirect object. Uh, that and we won't get into that, but but that it's <laughs> being performed too. So yeah. I throw the ball. <laughs> yes. the ball there is the predicate, right? It's right. The, in that case, it's the direct object. I'm the one performing the action, so I'm the subject. I throw, throw is the verb, the ball is the direct object. It's the one receiving the action. If I say I'm throwing the ball to Ryan, then he's the indirect object. He's the one receiving the benefit of the action. So so anyway, that's your that's your English lesson for the day. <laughs> Grammar. So of the 24 times we have ego a me, I am used, there are 17 that there is a direct um, predicate. So you know phrases from the Gospel of John like this. I am the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. So I am is the is the subject and the verb, and then the good shepherd is the object. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I am uh, the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Okay, so mm-hmm. seventeen times there is a there is a predicate that's a definite idea you might be able to think of some others i am the door to the sheep pen i am right can you all, think of all, others or, or you know <laughs> i think you've taken all the good ones that i, I know would, i would have said right off, the, right off the top uh, of my head right i am the living water um i am uh the, the i mentioned the bread of life the bread that comes down from heaven so usually there's a there's but there's seven times 17 well or, or seven times. okay so 24 <laughs> let's okay. do elementary math here my sister will like this part. So yeah. there's 24 times total that we find uh-huh. this phrase, ego a me, in, in the Gospel of John. 17 times there's a direct predicate. And so that leaves seven. 24 minus 17 is seven. <laughs> there's seven times we use ego a me, and we find it used in what we would call the absolute sense. Okay. Okay. Now, sometimes in English, in our translations, this is hidden, but I'm going to show you uh, most of the seven. I, and let's look at all the seven, might as well. So three times it's used in John chapter eight. So go okay. ahead and pull up John eight, if you would. Um, right there. Three times it's used here in this in this conversation. This is a conversation that Jesus is having, a dialogue that he's having in the Gospel of John with the Jewish, I would say the Jewish leaders. In the Gospel of John, we've talked about this a little bit before. The phrase is uh, in 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 Greek, eudaioi, hoi eudaioi, the Jews, is how it uses it. But it seems to be used in the Gospel of John. We can show this if we need to another day. It seems to be used in a way that the Jews refer to the Jewish leaders. Okay. So there are three times it's used here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. Uh, one of them is uh, verse uh, 24. Uh, So go ahead and read verses 23 and 24 for me, if you would. Okay. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. 
I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, the he there has been, substitu- has, has been uh, um, there's no word that lays behind that. <laughs> okay. So there's no he in the Greek. It's In the Greek. It says, if you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. Okay. Interesting. Right. It's in this context where he's saying, you're from this world, I'm from not from this world. You're from below. I'm from above. So he's saying something about his nature here. We have it repeated down in verse 28. Um, So verse 28 says, Jesus says, when you've lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am and that I do nothing of my own, but speak what the father has taught me. So there's the second one. The third one's down a little bit uh, further. And it's the one that I really think, um, kind of kind of shows what's what's being said here because they get into this conversation about Abraham and about who's Abraham's father and um you know they they get a little testy because he said you know Abraham was looking forward to my day and mm-hmm. and and this kind of thing so start in verse 54 and read down through verse 56 this okay. is the third time we see this definite use in this in this discussion in in John chapter 8 yep. uh, the third time we get this absolute use of ego ami through 56 or 58 54 through 56 yeah. okay here we go oh, jesus no no, no 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 i'm sorry you're right through 58 <laughs> okay jesus answered if i glorify myself my glory is nothing it is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our god but you have not known him i know him if i were to say that i do not know him i would be a liar like you but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. Okay. And I am is, is the small caps... Yahweh in 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 ESV yeah, yeah. Um, so so that the you're in the English Standard Version they they've chosen to set that apart in that way and I think rightfully so in this place so you get what I'm saying Abraham was looking forward to my if you call Abraham your father you know he he knows my father you don't even know him it, 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 he's basically saying you don't know God and Abraham looked forward to seeing my day and they're like, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. And he says, I tell you the truth before even Abraham, I am. Hmm. And so there's that definite article, third time or definite uh, phrase, third time in this, in this context. There's three it's, times. It's interesting how that, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about this, how that works sure. in English that we understand it, but it's his name, I am, the Yahweh, I am. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, it is, it's difficult. And that's that's why I thought it would be good to kind of kind of look at this a little bit. Um, I, I tell you what, before we go to these other four uses, or, or at least three of the four other uses, look at, there's a couple passages in Isaiah. I was going to, I was going to look at these later, but this is, okay. these are the ones that really, um, help us with understanding how what he's saying in this because isaiah so we've talked before about the septuagint uh when i say septuagint ryan how would you define septuagint that is the greek translation of the hebrew bible hebrew old uh, Old testament Testament hebrew bible right so so the septuagint was really the the when when judaism began to spread and, and outside of israel uh, by the time you get to Jesus' day, Greek was a commonly spoken language in most most places, even though they continued to speak their their native tongue. Uh, Greek became a common language. 
Um, and so um, the Septuagint became this translation in the early church many, many times in the, in the New Testament. When we find the Old Testament quoted, mm-hmm. it's quoted from the Septuagint. In fact, just this last week, you and I were talking about, you had a question about, hey, how do we know this doesn't sound like this passage from Isaiah? And I said, well, it's because it's the Septuagint. Septuagint. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a little bit looser than, than, than other times when it was translated. Mm-hmm. I want to look at these three times in Isaiah when we find um, this phrase, ego a me or ego I me that, that Jesus is using, I, it's the same. When I say a me or I me, it's there's two different ways of pronouncing Greek. Um, and I, I messed up with it, but um, I had two different teachers that said it different ways. So I say it both ways now, but ego I me is the way I learned it. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. That's just me being messed up. But there's three times in Isaiah. Look at these passages. Isaiah 41.4. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you flipping here. So okay. Isaiah 41.4. Read that to me. Uh, do you want me to substitute the I am with Yahweh? No, or do you want to just, no, okay. just do, okay. do I am? Because it, yeah. it is I am here. I am. It's ego, okay. I me. It's not the, it's because this it, is the Greek, right? This right. Is, oh, there so. we go. Okay. Who has performed and done this? Calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. Okay, or I am. So there's the ego me again. So yeah, yeah, you could have done, I get what you're saying, Lord, you could have done Yahweh there because it's the small caps Lord. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, the, but he says, I am, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now look at chapter uh, Isaiah 43, 10. Okay. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. So you get what I'm saying? So you can know that I am. That That's what you need to know. So, And then the final one's 46, verses 3 and 4, Isaiah 46, 3 and 4. Uh, let me flip the page here. My page is sticking together. All right, 46, 3 and 4. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born uh, by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. So all these, all three of these passages are about God making himself known to his people, just like we saw back in Exodus chapter 3. I think there's echoes of that story here. And he's saying, you will know that I am. And he uses this Greek phrase, ego, I, me. In, in, and again, in, in Greek, you can just say, I, me. And, and there's other places in the Gospel of John where you just find the phrase, I, you know, the, the, the word, I, me, I am. But it doesn't have ego, I, me, like it does here in, in Isaiah. So here is, you know, Jesus, I think, saying something very significant. And, and I'll, I'll point out, the Jewish leaders understood this. You know, when they heard him say, you, you, you think you were alive during the time of Abraham? <laughs> They're like, you're, you're a demon-possessed person, is what they go on and say. So, so he's making a very strong statement here. This, the, the, there's one time in 1319 of the Gospel of John that we find um, this phrase, I am. And I'm, I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to say what, what he says there is he, said, he says to his disciples, I'm telling you these things ahead of time. The, the things that are going to happen to me so that you will know that I am. 
Okay, um, so that's the that's the fourth time we find it used. Three times in chapter eight, once in chapter thirteen, verse nineteen, and then three times in chapter eighteen. Very interesting story here. So go ahead and read chapter eighteen. Um, the soldiers are coming to look for Jesus in the garden. This is the night of his arrest. It's after he's left the upper room. Jesus left the upper room. Okay. And so go ahead and read read uh, go ahead and read eighteen down through uh, eighteen five down through eighteen eight. All right, and this is the Gospel of John. Uh, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. Okay, so I am, and again, all those, there's no he there. There's in the, no he in the there. Greek. It's just I, ego, I, me. I am is what he says, and it says what what happens the first time he says it, the soldiers draw yeah. back and fall, fall to the down. ground. So there's this, and, and, and um, you know, John tells us this is a whole, <laughs> he has a whole cohort of soldiers here going after and these Jesus. are typical soldiers right well yeah some of them yeah mm-hmm. and and they fall back when he says this and, and so you know john here is getting across something about um who jesus is again he is very emphatic that jesus is none other than yahweh in flesh and i think the use of this phrase the way that we see it in the book of isaiah um, you know, where God is revealing himself, you know, that's what I said we were going to talk about earlier. God is revealing himself to his people in this name, by this name. And then Jesus comes and, and he takes this, he refers to at least this divine name uh, in Aramaic. You know, I wonder even how he, he said it, you know, if he's speaking in Aramaic. Um, but we find translated in this way that echoes Isaiah's use of referring to God by this I am. I am. So wow. one other thing I'll just mention, and this is this is I wasn't planning on mentioning this, but just a minor point here. In the Greek text, even, um, you, you you get this we have this way of, of showing the divine name in the in the in the Greek text. When it refers to Yahweh, when it refers to, to the Lord, um, there's a way that they use an abbreviation, basically, and put a line over it. And we find even Jesus, even the name Jesus and Christ having that same kind of uh, phrase. And, of course, you know, he's also referred to by, by the Greek word Lord. Um, you know, Lord Jesus Christ is one of the ways that uh, Paul refers to him. Uh, which sometimes, again, can mean a title respect, but it also is the way it, we find this word Yahweh translated sometimes. And so a uh, very strong emphasis on the divine nature of God is what we have uh, in this in this place. Yeah. So, you know, I have my famous question that I always love to ask <laughs> you is, so what? You know, so, you know, w- w- what should we take away from this? You know, it's yeah, it's, I think, it's like a Bible study. What, what What's sure. the application here? We've, we've I, think, I don't know if there's a out. strong application, but I, I'll say two things. One of them is I do think we read Old Testament passages differently. So I would encourage you from now on, when you see that Lord in small caps, you don't have to say Yahweh, but think about Okay, this is referring to the divine name. And, and I've tried to give you a couple of examples, but there are many, many others where mm-hmm. it will say, by my name, the Lord, <laughs> right? Right. And, and, and I want you to think as you're reading that this is referring to, 
to the divine name, to the name of, you know, that God reveals himself to his covenant name, if we want to call it that. Um, Hashem, you know, the name. Um, so so I think that's one one thing to think about uh, in, in terms of takeaway. I think you will read, and this is why we're doing this, kind of thinking about these different words that don't always mean exactly the way we take it. I think you'll read some scriptures differently mm. by thinking about what lays behind them in the Hebrew. The other thing is just this, this point that Jesus makes very strong claims uh, in the Gospel of John to his divinity. And the Jewish leaders oppose him as a result of this. It's part of the reason that he's he's crucified. Um, I, I think there's every indication that Jesus revealed himself to have this divine um, nature uh, to his own disciples. And uh, so, you know, the, this idea that that um, he is he is separate from the Father. There, they, you know, he referred in, in the Gospel of John is the clearest example. Of this he refers to the Father, so they are two persons. Um, but then he also claims the same kind of authority, the same kind of power when he calls himself the giver of life. You know, for example, in the Gospel of John, when John ref- says to him, as I said earlier, that all things were created through him and there's nothing that's been created that was not created by him. Uh, all, all of these things point to his divine nature. And this really is what gets us to this doctrine we call the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, the Holy Spirit as well in the Gospel of John has this kind of authority and agency. And so it becomes clear that there are three persons, all of whom have the um, nature of of being God, of being divine. Uh, And so I think that's the other thing. We're getting to that theological, um, you know, point of understanding, you know, something about the nature of God as Trinity. So those are the two takeaways, I think. And I think both of them are pretty important, you know, um, and can can help us as we're we're understanding and studying scripture. Yeah, I think that's um, you know, it's these little things sometimes that we just read sure. or we skip over it sometimes. Yeah. But like by by taking that out um, or saying Yahweh and re- recognizing that there's something else being said here by saying it that way yeah. by God referring to Himself at a specific name and then yeah. seeing the echoes of that in in the New Testament as Jesus. Uh, reveals his nature. I, I guess, I, and, and again, just to, I'm, I'm just saying the same thing in a different way. But when I when I show this in Sunday school, they're all like, well, "We wouldn't even notice this." You know, you don't even notice this difference. It's so subtle in the way we have chosen to do it in our publishing and in, in our English Bibles mm-hmm. um, that you don't even notice uh, this. This uh, it's two. It's the same word used in different ways, and that's really what I wanted to point out. And that's what kind of this little, this short series we're doing, inconceivables about. Like, yeah, you know, you keep using that word. Is it are you using it the way that it, it it's intended to be used? I think the most interesting thing for me in, in this conversation mm-hmm. is sure. the New Testament. And you're talking about the he is not in there. Oftentimes, at yeah. least in the ESV, so I am he, I am sure. he. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that forces our minds to think like to think one way. Yeah. but he's saying I am. Yeah, you know, like that. There's this this uh, this callback, and we miss it because our our translators are trying yes. to make it more readable for us. Exactly. And you and I had this conversation earlier this week on another passage. I had a question about. Yeah. I was teaching in a small group, kind of going, 
how do I read this? And you're like, well, guess what? In the Greek, it's not there. <laughs> and and that's that yeah, qualifier. It was, it was, yeah, and that's where you know we have to be really careful. And again, I'm not. I, I always I try to balance this. I always get you know I, it bothers me sometimes because people are like, oh, you know, you got to have special knowledge of some sort. You know, this is some kind of gnostic, gnostic. thing that, yeah. that that you have to really understand the Greek, but. Any time, anybody who's translated anything or ever been translated, uh, you know that there's always these kind of tricky things that we have to we have to think through. And and I'm not critic. I wouldn't criticize the ESV or the NIV or any of the the modern translations. They have to make interpretive decisions. You always have to when you translate. Mm-hmm. To be a student then means that we sometimes, to be a student of scripture means that we sometimes have to look a little bit beyond that. And I'm not saying let's all go out and run out and learn Greek, but we've, we've shown there's Bible study tools, even online, like the Blue Letter, Blue Letter Bible, Bible we've yeah. talked about before. Um, there are bi- really good Bible study programs, some of which are very expensive, as we've talked about. <laughs> yes. Um, but but these can help us if we just understand some of the basics. And, and, and I'll be frank. Um, you know, and and I'll say this is true to me. I had I had a really good high school English teacher, but I really didn't understand my own language until I got into college and began to study Greek. Um, and I had to learn things about my own language and the way that it functions. Um, I didn't understand how to use who or whom appropriately until um, until I learned Greek. You know, I'll just just be frank. Um, and so we we use even our English language sometimes thoughtlessly, and and I don't mean that. You know, I mean we just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. We speak it, right? We've it's the we've water grown, you swim in. We've exactly we've grown up speaking it, um, and, and so we don't even think about some of the implications of it sometimes. Uh, and, and so that's where you know I think just being careful because these these words of scripture are are important. Um, and, you know, God rev- chose to reveal Himself to us in this way, as I've said before, uh, and, and so I think it's just being equal to being able to to understand and to read it. Um, it is it, it requires a little effort on our part. It's not, you know, and, and that's where, you know, some people say, "Oh, well, just it's a simple reading." You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and I will say plus one for blue letter Bible. That's been sure. huge for me. I don't have yeah. the expensive tools yeah. yet that you are encouraging me to get. Um, but the blue letter don't Bible. Tell, don't tell your wife I encouraged you to get expensive tools. I've already tools. told her it's too late. Um, the the blue letter Bible, it's a free resource where yeah. you can put in a verse um, and you can see the Greek behind it. Um, yeah. And even if you don't know Greek, it kind of breaks part of it down. Sure. We actually have a video about how to use that, yeah, which uh, right. I'll, I'll post along with this episode as well, about how to kind of jump in and, and get the basics out of the Blue Letter Bible, because yeah. it really, um, again, a couple times when something seems tricky, to open that up and to see some of those things sure. um, really is is quite helpful. So I'll give it up for that. So great episode, Brian. Great oh, information. Well, thank you. Thank you. you I like it. your you shirt. You did it again. I like your shirt. I'd wear that for sure. Um, anyway, so I'd wear uh, yours too, but not after you've worn it. So. Oh, <laughs> I'd want to wash qualifiers first. <laughs> here. Um, so next week we're taking a little break from Inconceivable. We have yeah. our first guest of season three. We all yes. know everybody loves a good guest, yep. and we have got Doctor Jody Owens. A great guest. We've already we've already recorded this episode. Fantastic episode. And we've I will definitely, have to say, you definitely I learned want to listen something to this one. and. 
Who else I, learned something? I learned something. So. Brian learned something. I learned it's fantastic. all the time. I know, but <laughs> you're like the authority on here, and I'm just like oh, no, the no, court no. jester juggling yeah. over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is you with can us. Juggle? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Obviously, that's why we didn't have a YouTube video last week. Um, so, but uh, he will be uh, be with us next yeah. week. Um, talking a little bit about the Old Testament. Who doesn't know the Old Testament? But First uh, and Second Samuel. Samuel, some really good stuff. Yeah. Some really interesting things there that uh, really put some context on yeah. it, and it 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 kind of. I, I say it a couple times in the episode, like, this is kind of blowing my mind, like, how to think about this and uh, to think about some of those verses. So yeah, uh, he'd, we been, ho- uh, he'd been recommended by a couple, and I'll say this, he'd been recommended by a couple of our long-term time listeners. That's how we got connected yeah. with uh, Dr. Jody Owens. And, and uh, so shout out to them. And uh, if you have somebody that you think you want to hear um, conversation um, interviewed, yeah, we yeah, may absolutely. or may not take your suggestion. <laughs> We just love to know there's someone listening and talk to us. Give it to us anyway. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, we have Patreon. If you go to our website, um, you can go to the top right. There's a button that says support the bistro. We love your support. You can get some swag. Um, Right now, there's not a whole lot besides the swag. But very, very soon, we're going to be talking about some other uh, opportunities. If you support us, that you can participate in uh, and to dive into that. But new things happening in season three. New things happening in season three. We're we're putting the afterburners on. Here we go. So (laughs) that's what's happening in season three. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with Dr. Jody Owens. And we hope you all will join us for that. Yep. All right. See you, Brian. See you, Brian.